0: Up to $100. Just visit slash Play100 and use code Play100. That's code Play100 at slash Play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Daily Fantasy Sports Made Easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Q's Podcast
1: covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football.
2: Today on the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about a win over Central Michigan and a look ahead to LSU. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is NOLA.com's Chris Dabe. Chris, how are you today? I'm doing well. And Chris, we will get you started on this. LSU with a shocking 37-7 loss to Mississippi State over the weekend. What happened?
3: Well, that, that's a good question. Um, a lot happened, a lot happened wrong for, for LSU. They went into the game as a seven-point paper for wh- whatever value that is and had a history of uh, success against Mississippi State. But as you mentioned, 37-7, to they had been lost uh, on the road in Starkville. And, uh, you know, there were a couple of, of major uh, issues that had cropped up and had for LSU, one of them was penalties that uh, – Uh, 10 penalties or 9 penalties for 112 yards. That was a season high in yardage for penalties. They had 30 penalties over the three games this season. So that's been a pretty big issue. Early on in the game, they had a touchdown called back on an offensive pass interference penalty, one that would have put them up 7-0 right there in the the first quarter. And then they had another touchdown that was called back on on another penalty but. They followed that up with, a, with an actual touchdown. that turned out to be their only points of the game, and uh, that's been a, a pretty big issue uh, for them. They had two players uh, thrown out of the game for targeting in the second half, so they're going to be without starting middle linebacker Donnie Alexander for the first half against Syracuse, uh, so that, that cropped up there. And then uh, they, they were unable to contain Mississippi State's uh, quarterback, Nick Fitzgerald, a year ago against that same quarterback and limited him to uh, 13 yards on 13 carries. This time around, he had 268 yards uh, rushing and passing, contributing four touchdowns, and so I know Syracuse has a, a running quarterback of their own. I don't know if he's the same style of quarterback as Nick Fitzgerald, but I think that's something for uh, LSU to kind of contend with this week to make sure that they can contain him and kind of stay in their defensive game plan as well.
2: Chris, looking at NOLA.com and some of the other message boards for LSU, it looks like some of the fans are panicking. Am I right to say that?
3: Yeah, certainly among the fans. uh, I think coming into the season, a lot of people were uh, very excited and maybe still are to degree, but they're they're kind of skeptical now of Matt Canada's offense. Um, You guys, the, the series you saw... Man, Canada's offense a year ago uh, when he was at Pitt and scored uh, 76 points against Syracuse. But uh, coming to LSU, you know, we see all the shifts and we see all the motions, and we saw some of the impact of what that can do to the defense in the first two weeks against BYU and and Chattanooga. Uh, It seems like, uh, you know, the defense will shift over as the players and the offensive side shift. Mississippi State kind of stayed put. And uh, they, it seemed like they were just sort of playing their defensive game plan, staying in their, their, their spots and not really uh, playing to those shifts and motions. And uh, I think people thought this would be kind of a wide-open passing offense, but it really isn't. It uh, centers uh, entirely around Darius Geis, which um, anybody should have expected. I mean, he's one of the top running backs in the country, going to be a high-round draft pick, high-end contender, um, at least going into the season. So I think there's a lot of people wondering, you know, what's the deal with this offense, when is it going to really catch fire, and when are they going to put up a lot of points. Within the building, at LSU, you know, there's certainly not the same kind of panic not that, not that you'd expect. Um, they do want to bounce back from this, obviously.
2: Chris, you just touched on it. Darius Geese, a Heisman hopeful, has gotten off to a slow start this season. His longest gain is 25 yards. Is there concern that he isn't playing up to his par?
3: You know, early, um, first game um against BYU, they used him so much in the first half. The first thirty two snaps, he ran the ball twenty times and people were wondering, geez, are they gonna overuse areas guys here? And that was a legitimate internal into McLeod, but they said that's just how the defense is playing, they're playing two safety high, kinda of daring. That they just did, they didn't want to give up the big play. They especially let LSU run, which you historically don't see too often here. Um sure. But then, you know, the, the, against Mississippi State, he didn't get as many opportunities to run. He didn't run late in the game. He didn't practice on Monday due to a uh, what Ed Ogeron said is a minor injury. So I don't know if there's any kind of lingering sort of health issue with uh, various guys. but like, he, like you mentioned, his longest run is 24 yards from from, uh, from scrimmage, and, you know, he's, he's been one to break off for some pretty long runs, just like Leonard Fournette before him, and I think there is some question or some curiosity of you know, what's happening with him. Why isn't he breaking these long runs? But, you know, they very well could just come, come in due time.
2: Chris, one of the thinnest areas in the Tigers this year has been their D line, even thinner with Ed Alexander ruled out this week against Syracuse. What's the status of Rashard Lawrence, and how do you expect that line to play against Syracuse?
3: Um, well, Richard Rashad Lawrence, it's still kind of questionable as far as if he'll be back. He did participate in practice Monday, but that was just a uh, kind of shorts and shirts sort of workout. He did the same thing last week. He actually came back and had a full padded workout on him last week, Tuesday, but then Wednesday, was wasn't there. So uh, I don't know if he might have aggravated the ankle injury that he sustained in the first game. Uh, Rashad Lawrence in the preseason was considered by the coaches to be the best player on defense on the field outside of Arden Key, who wasn't practicing, so that, I guess, by by default, in some degree, made the start the top player on the the defensive side. Not having him has been pretty costly. They've had to reshuffle that that three-man defensive line. They moved Greg Gilmore, a nose tackle, out the end uh, in the most recent game and put in uh, Ed Alexander, a backup nose tackle, to start. And he got hurt, and he's out for this week. So by the end of the game last week, LSU had four healthy defensive linemen on the, on the roster, on the travel roster. So that that's, uh, that's definitely is an area of concern for them, and uh, you know, we'll just see how that fares against uh, Syracuse's offensive line.
2: And Chris, we'll get you out of here on this one. Your predictions for how this Saturday's game will go between LSU and Syracuse.
3: Uh, That's a a good question. I know the betting line is, uh, you know, LSU's a heavy favorite, 23.5 points. I think if they can follow what they're supposed to do on on defense, they should be able to take care of of, jerseys the way they hope to, Um, uh, although I I would have thought that last week um, against Mississippi State, and certainly that wasn't the case. But if I had to make a prediction, I'd still pick LSU. I'm not sure what the, uh, the point spread I don't necessarily have a point total In mind uh, It kind of depends on if the offense Can get clicking like, uh, like a lot of people Hope it will
2: Chris, thank you so much for coming on the program Again, Chris Dabe from NOLA.com Great job today, enjoy the game this weekend We'll speak with you soon
3: Sounds good, I'm glad to be on Great stuff from
2: our friend Chris Dabe And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well, Wes. Thank you.
2: Brad, Syracuse with a 41-17 rout of Central Michigan over the weekend. It wasn't pretty at first, but the Orange really seemed to find their offensive footing in the second half.
1: Well, it was a pretty third quarter, especially for Syracuse in that win over Central Michigan. And, you know, we, we kind of forget, Wes, about this team. You know, they started to score points late last year. Of course, they lost the pit game but scored, you know, the 60-some-odd points. Uh, I think this team is starting to get the offense down. We go back to the famous quote from Dino Babers in his initial press conference. Hey, wait to games four to six in my second season. Well, I think he's, you know, taken those statements back a little bit because of the depth issue for Syracuse, and when players get hurt, there's not necessarily a player to step up onto the field and perform at that same high level. But I certainly think with the skilled players on offense, of course, led by Eric Dungey, and The receivers have been good enough this year, led by Steve Ishmael, and the tight end's still learning, and the running game's improving, that, you know, the offense with the line developing is not too, too far off from where Babers would like to see it, back to that original statement, games four through six in the second year. So this team can score, as evidenced by that third quarter against Central Michigan, and can score pretty quickly, you know, in just over a minute to uh, bolt, bolt out to a 14-point lead in that game after going up seven at halftime and then moving down the field against a very tired defense. We can really see what's going to happen if they keep that quick pace going all the time. Well, certainly defenses are going to get tired, and it's going to be hard to stop the, uh, the Orange offense. But again, this was against Central Michigan, a MAC team. Now the competition steps up beginning this week at LSU. So that will be interesting to see. And other players are going to have to step up, Wes. There's no doubt about it. There's going to be more injuries this year. So all eyes will be on the reserve players to see what they can contribute. But certainly the speed aspect is there. It's the execution aspect, which is going to be critical moving forward.
2: Brad, you just touched on it. The schedule gets a lot harder. Syracuse traveling to Louisiana at LSU this weekend. They're coming off a tough loss to Mississippi State, so I'll ask you this. Is there a puncher's chance against LSU?
1: Well, maybe a puncher's chance. The, the, The talent level gap is still really wide. As I mentioned about the second stringers for the Orange versus second and third string players for LSU, there's quite a difference there when you're recruiting for a perennial power like LSU down south as compared to a Syracuse and trying to get the program back up with Dino Babers. But let's face it, Wes, this team should be undefeated going into this game Saturday at LSU. To me, there's absolutely no excuse for losing to a middle Tennessee state, a team out of the Conference USA, Scott Schaefer returning or not. You should win that game at home It took me back to the Akron loss under Greg Robinson back in the mid-2000s. So it almost, to me, also took away some of the glory of beating Virginia Tech last year in the Dome. You have to win that game. So that was a step back. Now going to LSU uh, with a step up in competition, perhaps a puncher's chance, but uh, I really can't see an upset coming out of that game uh, in this midweek prediction.
2: Brad, we are at the quarter point of the season, Syracuse is 2-1, and one, and you just mentioned it, a devastating loss to Middle Tennessee State, really hurting their bowl chances. Do you think they can pick themselves off the mat and still get to that six-win plateau?
1: Yeah, I really do, Wes, uh, because there's just so much that's undetermined moving forward. Other teams are going to have injuries. Other teams are going to have upset losses the week before they play Syracuse. Syracuse may have uh, a game that they thought they should have won, and have to get their heads back up the following week. I really think it's still it's still there for for grabbing a bowl game invite, even at six wins, even with the Middle Tennessee State loss. So obviously, that's going to take likely a victory that you would not expect for Syracuse uh, to pull out on the remaining games of the schedule. But I think there is one of those hanging there somewhere. I think there is a Virginia Tech, if you will, from last season hanging out there somewhere this year where everything happens to fall into place, uh, and it could even be on the road. So I do think that there is still a very good chance that they could be right in the hunt, maybe down to the final game against B.C. Thanksgiving weekend, but be in the hunt for that sixth win and a bowl game
2: invite. Brad, we are running out of show. Your closing thoughts.
1: My thoughts have been about fan experience, Wes. You know, the fans coming out to the Carrier Dome. I wrote about it two weeks ago, the length of college football games approaching four hours. And we haven't heard anything more in the last eight months or so about Dome renovations. And all of that was talking about fan experience, upgrading that fan experience at the Dome. This is the first season where fans are finding out that they cannot go out at halftime uh, of games, games at the Carrier Dome as SU finally caught up to the other regulations of ACC schools. So I've been thinking about fan experience and what it's going to take for Syracuse to upgrade that fan experience in the future because if you're going to ask folks to spend their disposable entertainment dollars on college football, you're competing against so much else in the entertainment sector today. So it's going to be really interesting to see, one, does college football do something to speed up the game going into the 2018 season and exactly where we'll be with the university and its fundraising and trying to get uh, renovations in place at the Dome to improve fan experience.
2: Brad, my closing thoughts are on 2019 combo guard Bryson Gadine committing to Syracuse after losing some recruiting momentum last season. It's nice to see the Orange back on track. Darius Baisley Buddy Beheim are already locked into the 2018 class, and I think the Orange are going to get a few more recruits in the next month or so for that 2018 year.
1: You think Jim Beheim's done this a lot, Russ?
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that batteries are the most dramatic objects. Other things stop working or they break, but batteries, they die. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.tv, and we'll see you next time.
1: This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.tv audio network.